in our series on Paul, this is the big idea. Um, ask Christ to live his life through your life. Now, our theme verse, anybody remember what that is? All right, good. We'll, we'll keep pushing you, and we'll put it in there every week so you remember it. Here it is, uh, Galatians 2.20. All right, so it, um, maybe I did something wrong with the slides, but I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. So what did you say the reference with me? Galatians 2.20. So the life that Paul was living, uh, he lived by faith of the Son of God. He was letting Christ live the life of Christ through his life. Now, tonight we're going to look at Paul, the new convert. Question for you. When did Paul become a missionary? How many of you would say maybe 13, 16 years after he was saved, maybe three years after he was saved, or maybe the day that he was saved? Anybody? Have, venture a guess? All right. Say what? The day he was saved. All right. So what he's famous for, however, are his three missionary journeys. And that's what we typically think of when we read uh, the Acts of the Apostles. And uh, we think of the three missionary journeys starting in Acts chapter 13. But the book of Acts um, really moves slowly if you look at the progression of the gospel. It's not until 36, uh, almost 40 uh, A.D. until Christianity becomes something more than just a Jewish sect. And when Paul becomes a Christian, then the gospel begins to spread throughout the world. And so the Lord takes the abilities and the gifts of Paul and uh, through the Holy Spirit, he enhances them and we see a dramatic growth taking place. Now, um, we're in Acts chapter 9. We're going to look at uh, many of the salvation testimonies that Paul records for us in the Scripture. But Acts chapter 9 is uh, where we see, uh, for the first time, the conversion of Saul of Tarshish, who becomes Paul. So if you're in Acts chapter 9, we read in verse 1, uh, and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. So Paul is the one who is responsible uh, for the persecution of the church. Um, now, this is going to leave Paul, as we're going to see later on, with a sense of debt to Christ. To let Christ live his life through his life. Now, verse 2, and uh, desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he had found any of this way, whether they uh, were men or women, that he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. 
And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Verse 5, and he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecute. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks or the goads. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Now, this is not your average evangelical story about how someone comes to Christ. Matter of fact, we would almost cast suspicion upon Paul if he truly was saved because we're typically looking for A, B, C, admit you're a sinner. B, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. C, call upon the name of the Lord. Uh, We're looking for some form of faith and repentance. Well, that's not the particular testimony that we get here. But yet we do see uh, the divine work of God upon his life. Now, what do we know historically that has taken place beginning in Acts chapter 7? verse 51 through Acts chapter 8. What has taken place? The beginning of the persecution of the church. The first martyr. Anybody know his name? Stephen. And who was the young man that held his arm out like a coat tree for those that were killing Stephen? That was Paul. And uh, so... How long this has been since that time period, we don't know, maybe a year or two. And Paul becomes very zealous on that day, and he becomes the ringleader of the persecution. But it's very interesting. The Lord says something to him. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks or the goads. Now, how many of you know what a goad or a prick is? Okay. So it's a long stick at least a stick longer than the leg of the animal that was plowing the field that the farmer was behind. And it had a sharp tip on it. And when the animal was like, human, I've had enough. I'm going to stand here for a while. The human could go and giddy up, all right? Or I don't know if that's what you say to an oxen, but uh, they would get moving again. And so sometimes what they would try to do is they'd try to kick back against that. And, of course, the stick is longer than their leg. And so that's how the farmer got it going. And so some animals are stubborn. And there was constantly that prodding to keep that animal moving. So it's as if Paul has this internal conflict taking place about Jesus of Nazareth. He's the Messiah. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Yes, he is. All right? So he's what we would say today under conviction. Now, has anyone ever heard that word conviction or that phrase under conviction? All right. So uh, here's how to define that. Being convinced 
of the reality of the gospel. Would you say that with me? Being convinced of the reality of the gospel. That's what conviction is. And so Paul is under conviction. The reality of the gospel is something that he's struggling to dismiss, and he can't dismiss it. And so as God meets him on the road to Damascus, this is when Paul uh, then in humility surrenders himself to the Lord Jesus. And who are you? Well, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. What would you have me to do? And so in there, we see the surrender of Paul's will to the Lord Jesus. And then willing to allow Christ to become the Lord of his life. Now that's language we understand. That, that's a conversion that we can understand. Um, so on the road to Damascus, we see then uh, several uh, places in Acts uh, where these elements are within his personal story on how he came to know Christ, a bright light. Paul falls to the ground, the voice of Jesus speaking to him. Paul's humble response, Jesus identifying himself. Um, then we see the instructions of Jesus and what he is supposed to do. So we see the conversion of Paul. Let's go over to Acts chapter 22 for just a moment. I shared with you a few weeks ago, uh, the last point in the message was Paul's conversion on how to share your own personal story about how you came to know Christ uh, as your Savior. So Paul is, in Acts 22 and Acts 26, he's standing before kings, and he's telling the story how he became a believer. And uh, so we see this in verse 6 of uh, chapter 22. And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, I will persecutest thou me. And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all the things which are what? Appointed for thee to do. Um, and we see that this is the, the conversion of Paul. He shares the same story over in chapter 26. And so, what it was like before I was a Christian. Then I met Jesus. And then what my life is like after I met Jesus. And so, Paul, he would tell the story. Before I met Jesus, I hated Christians. I rounded them up. I imprisoned them. I jailed them. I, I, I killed them. I hated Christians. But then one day... On the road to Damascus, I met Jesus, and my life changed. And so, why am I standing you here telling you this story? Well, because I met Jesus. And now I go and I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The churches were afraid of me at first. They thought it was a trick. 
And so it took a while for me to be accepted. But then I went around the world preaching the gospel. And this is why I'm being brought before you. Because the Jewish people, they don't like the fact that I was converted and became a believer in Jesus. So this is the basic element of Paul's story. Now, um, being convinced of the reality of the gospel, what do we call that? Conviction. So, Saul, Saul, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. And this is, and we'll look at this in just a minute, very important because this was not just some vision where Jesus is appearing in like a hologram or some spirit form. Actually, Jesus appears to Paul bodily. So he is convinced of the truth of the gospel. He believes on Jesus, and he surrenders to him, and that's what is there. Now, it's very interesting. I was doing some reading this week. Um, Those who struggle to believe that Paul could become a Christian uh, say, well, Paul actually didn't become a Christian, This was just his response for uh, being a jilted lover. He proposed to the high priest's daughter and she rejected him. So therefore, in spite, he pretends to be a believer in Jesus. All right, yeah, what? (laughs) Okay. Uh, Then other people say, well, you know, uh, um, epileptics uh, many times see bright lights when they're having a seizure. And Paul just had a seizure. And that's how we explain this. And so he, he was mentally uh, changed from that moment. Well, there are no explanations uh, that people can offer that make sense. It wasn't jilted love. It wasn't epileptic seizures. Uh, it was that he was convinced with the reality of the gospel. All right, so we're a little warm in here, aren't we? Yeah, it's warm. I'm warm, and I can see that you guys are warm, all right? It's like, yeah, would you please, Jeff? Um, I don't know. So did you get a Sunday afternoon nap? Maybe you woke up from it, and you're still wanting to continue it. (laughs) So, yeah, you're struggling, so I I know it's hard in here. And believe me, it's a little bit warmer up here than it is out there. Only 79? 79? I, I think we can live with that. All right, so we'll get that taken care of. Now what I'd like you to do is uh, let's move to our second point tonight. Let's look at the commission of Paul, the commission of Paul. So let's go back to Acts chapter 9, and we're just going to run through several verses. And I asked you the question at the beginning, when did Paul uh, become a missionary? And was it 13 years or 16 years? Was it three years after he became a believer? Or was it on the day of his salvation? So in Acts chapter 9, uh, let's begin reading in verse 17. Uh, it says here, And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, What? Brother Saul. Hey, isn't that the Christian way? We need to be welcoming people. And someone gets saved, 
you need to be excited for them. And Ananias puts his hands on him, calls him Brother Saul. The Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou uh, mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. All right, so when does a person get filled with the Holy Ghost? Jeff was referring to the Keswick movement earlier and how they believe it's later. But the pattern is, at the moment of salvation, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at verse 27. Uh, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto him how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him how he had preached what? Boldly in Damascus in the name of Jesus. Paul became a preacher the day he was saved. Preached his first message. Now, I've been a pastor for going on 25 years now. I don't think I've led somebody to the Lord and had them preach their first message just minutes after being saved or a few days after being saved. So Paul, uh, being filled with the Holy Ghost, is able to preach his very first message on that day of his conversion. Now let's continue this. Let's go back to chapter 22. Look with me at verse 14. We'll see verses 13 and 14. Ananias comes to him again. He came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And at the same hour I looked upon him. And he said, The God of our fathers hath what? Chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see that just one, and shouldest uh, hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto, what? All men of what thou hast seen and heard. So he's commissioned on that very day. Now he's a chosen one. Jesus chose 12. So in other words, he's commissioned on the day of his salvation. And he fulfills his commissioning by preaching his first message. Um, let's go over to 1 Corinthians. So keep a, a ribbon here in, in Acts. We're going to be in chapter 22, 26, and chapter 9 a lot tonight. But let's go over to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. Am I not, what, an apostle? You know what the word apostle means? Sent one. One who God chose to send into the world. Have I not seen Jesus Christ, our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? So once again, he's saying, I have seen Jesus uh, bodily, all right, not just in a vision, but bodily, he's seen the resurrected Lord. Now, that's one of the characteristics of an apostle, by the way. They had to be an eyewitness of the resurrected Lord. And uh, so we know that Paul saw the Lord. Go over to chapter 15, 1 Corinthians 15. 
We're going to read verses 5 through 8. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, and after that he was seen uh, all above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, and then all of the apostles, and last of all he was what? Seen of me also, as one born out of due time. And so the Apostle Paul clearly states, I saw the resurrected, living Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul was then commissioned by Jesus. Let's look then um, at his apostolic witness, or the fact that he is an apostle and he was sent. Let's go over to Galatians chapter 2 in verse 7. So Galatians, Ephesians, so 1st and 2nd Corinthians, then Galatians. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 7. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of circumcision was unto Peter. All right, so what is Paul trying to tell us here? All right, Peter was an apostle to the Jewish people. That's the circumcision. But Paul is the apostle. He's the sent one to the Gentiles or the uncircumcised. And so Paul is saying, Peter, his ministry operates within the Jewish people. Paul, my commission from the Lord is that I was to witness unto all men, not just Jews. To Jews, yes, but also to Gentiles, all people. Now let's go back to Second um, Corinthians chapter 12. We'll just work our way back to Acts. Second Corinthians 12 and verse 2. Actually, verse 12. Truly the signs of what? An apostle were wrought among you, and all patience in signs and wonders in mighty deeds. You want, would you like to take a rabbit trail for just a second? Yes, nay? Sure, why not? How many of you have heard of third wave Christianity? All right, some of you have heard of that. Um, how many of you have heard of Peter Wagner here in California, Southern California? How many of you have heard of the Vineyard Movement? All right, some more hands went up. So the Vineyard Movement is a Christian movement that says that there are apostles alive today. And Peter Wagner calls himself an apostle. And um, every once in a while, you'll meet somebody who will call themselves an apostle. Well, yes, you could say we're all apostles in a sense because we're sent to tell the testimony of Jesus. But that's not the technical sense of the word. Um, there's the office of apostle. And the office of apostle had very unique requirements. You had to be an eyewitness of the resurrected Jesus Christ. That doesn't happen today. Okay. Um, 
you had to be able to perform miracles. And so this is what Paul is telling the Corinthian believers. Did I not work miracles among you that are evident of apostolic authority, of apostolic truth? And so just so you don't get confused as someone introduces themselves to you as an apostle, uh, you might ask this, in what sense? One who sent? Okay, fine, I'm an apostle too. But an apostle in office? No, you're not. And I can tell you why. You've not seen the resurrected Jesus Christ eye to eye like the apostles did. Um, You don't go around performing signs and wonders like the apostles did. Now, let's uh, keep moving. That was our little rabbit trail. Let's go back to Acts chapter 26. In Acts chapter 26, verse 16, Paul is telling his story once again, how he came to know Christ and what Christ wanted him to do. Um, And so we're at that point where he receives his commissioning. It says, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I what? Send thee to open their eyes. Who is that pronoun there? Who is that referring to? The Gentiles, all right? To open their eyes um, and to turn them from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So how are Jews saved? Are they saved any differently than Gentiles? No, they're saved in the exact same way. So we are saved just the same way that a Jewish person would be saved, and that is faith in Jesus. But here we see that Paul receives his apostolic office from Jesus Christ personally. Go to the Gentiles, be their witness, so that they can receive the gift of eternal life and forgiveness of sins through faith in me. And so Ananias uh, delivers that commission. Uh, We saw that in chapter 9, verses 15 and 16. Let's go back to chapter 22 for just a second. And so we see that verse once again, For thou shalt be his witness unto all men. We saw that he is a chosen vessel. Um, We saw that he would receive special revelation. Now that's the sign of an apostle, is to receive special revelation. And Paul received special revelation, and it was recorded for us, in the Bible. People today are not getting new scriptures, so they're not apostles. And so Paul did receive a special revelation from God uh, to declare to the Gentiles, and that's how we have the majority of the books in our New Testament, is through the witness of of Paul, He was a witness to the Gentile people. He has a Gentile emphasis. And then we see that he would also suffer. So let's go back to chapter 9. 
and look at verse 16. For I will show him how great things he must. All right. How would you like that on the day of your salvation to be told? You're going to suffer as a Christian. You know what we like to try to preach sometimes? Oh, when you become a believer in Jesus, it's going to be a dozen roses without thorns. Your life is just going to be so beautiful from here on out. And then about a month into someone's Christian experience, the devil begins to attack them and to tighten down the clamps of life on them. And their spouse says, this isn't what I signed up for. I didn't want to be married to a Jesus freak. Right? Um, Sue Osterwin, who's uh, Jim Osterwin's wife up in Antioch, uh, she said when her husband got saved, she was so sad because she lost her drinking buddy. And she was horribly disappointed. And so can you imagine... The, the stress that, that happens in the life of a new believer. Uh, I know in my own family, uh, my mother uh, suffered pressure uh, from her uh, brother and sister and uh, stepmother uh, over becoming a Christian. Uh, they didn't like that. And many times what happens to Christians is they suffer and they kind of wonder, well, wait, wait a minute, is that really part of the gospel? Uh, you know, the first thing we do when we come down with some kind of sickness, and, and I'm no different than you, we raise our hand in Sunday school and we say, I have a prayer request. I would like God to take away X, Y, Z out of my life. But you know what God told Paul? My grace is sufficient for thee. That in weakness... Your weakness, my strength, is made perfect. So many times, yes, we do suffer. We can suffer persecution for sharing our faith. And Paul certainly did. Now, uh, if you would, please go over to uh, the letter to the Galatians. And I would like to close with this. Um, well, how about this? This will be my last point on the commission of Paul, and then I've got one last point, <laughs> but it's going to be quick. Uh, in Galatians chapter 2, look with me at verse 1. Then two days after I went again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. Is that what it says? What does it say? 14 years. Now, remember, outside of what major city did Paul meet Jesus? Damascus. He goes into Damascus and he preaches his first message. You know what happens? The Jews try to kill him. So he flees. Arabia. Now, Arabia could be the Sinai Peninsula. 
and he's there for three years. Then he returns to Damascus. And then he finally gets up his courage and he goes to Jerusalem on a couple of different visits. But in between his visits to Jerusalem, there's 13 years before he begins his missionary journeys. Now, when I was a younger man going through Bible college, I was always instructed, the call to preach the gospel is a call to prepare to preach the gospel. Well, Paul spent 13 years in the desert, growing in Christ before he begins his missionary journeys. Now, how many of you thought of that? All right, not too many of you. And so it was a very long time. And so it says, verse 2, And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them of the gospel which I preached among what? The Gentiles. Now, one thing that we can find out later if you read carefully in the book of Galatians does anybody know where the churches of Galatia, what modern-day country they're located in? Turkey. What is Paul's native land? It's Turkey. And for these 13 years, yes, Paul was in the Arabian desert preparing, but he was also making trips to his homeland. And he's starting churches in Cilicia, in Galatia. For 13 years, there are missionary trips that we don't know about. But this is where these churches start. And so if you follow the life of Paul, uh, many of the, the Christian churches in modern-day Turkey uh, were started exclusively through the ministry of Paul as the apostle to the Gentiles. And uh, he evangelized that region. And uh, you can read that uh, in Galatians, but uh, 13 years before we come to Acts chapter 13, and um, there's a, a Christian man by the name of Barnabas. Now, shortly after Paul is saved, Barnabas is a bridge because the Christians are afraid that it's just one of Paul's nasty tricks to persecute them, and they won't have anything to do with him. And so this is possibly one of the reasons why Paul keeps his distance. And he says, they only heard that he who once persecuted us now goes about and preaches the message. Well, Barnabas goes to Antioch of Pisidia in Turkey, and he gets Paul and brings him back to Antioch, Syria. And he's there for a year. And then finally, at the end of that year, the Holy Spirit says, Separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for to go where I tell them to go. So this is Paul, the new convert. Sometimes we get discouraged when we're working with people and we don't see the growth that we would like to see. 
But just keep praying, keep working. Uh, the Holy Spirit is preparing that person for the ministry that He wants them to do in life. And certainly we can look at the life of Paul tonight and say that Christ lived His life through the life of Paul. Can that be said of you tonight? With the life that you now live in the flesh, you live by the faith of the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you? Are you willing to let Christ live his life through your life tonight? So I challenge you, um, this is the time of year where people might actually go to church. Christmas and Easter. So I challenge you this week, invite somebody. Come to the pancake breakfast. Come to the morning service. Uh, I've already invited some folks. And so I trust that you will uh, invite uh, maybe your neighbors, your co-workers, a family member, and just watch the power of God work next.